Hey, Collateral Cinema listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. Just taking a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. Much like Collateral Cinema, we are a grassroots podcast. We invite bands from all over the world to come in and we dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you and there's tons of music every week so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast we look forward to having you Tonight on the Director's Cut, it's movie review time once again as we explore the world of 90 Skinamax with Body Chemistry 2 and we check out the 2008 horror comedy Triloquist. So stick around. The show starts right now. Welcome to Collateral Cinema Director's Cut. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. And we're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas. And yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, be it dabs, blunts, bongs, or joints, smoke it if you've got it. And ladies and gentlemen, we just want to go ahead and give you a little content warning due to the nature of... The content we're about to give you here because we're going to start off with a little bit of a racy subject matter, so to speak. Right, Robert? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What's the title of this? (laughs) The title of this movie is Body Chemistry 2, Voice of a Stranger. And this is representative of a very specific place in time on a very specific type of television where you have the genre of 90s quote-unquote Skinamax movies. Now, for a lot of us who grew up in the 90s, who came of age, other than, you know, maybe the internet, which wasn't very reliable when it came to that sort of thing, This was where a lot of us first kind of saw, you know, anything that's like erotic or, you know, even slightly pornographic. AOL dial-up. AOL dial-up, of course, yeah. But this genre had a few specific flavors to it. Like, first off, you had the original content released by Cinemax and Showtime, and I think even HBO had something similar to that. And it was stuff like erotic confessions, stuff like Red Shoe Diaries, you know, Hotel Erotica and stuff like that. That was original content made by, you know, Cinemax and Showtime and whatnot, And they were usually very short episodes, usually not any more than 35 or 45 minutes. And they'd tell really short, you know, self-contained erotic stories, you know, and it had the whole, you know, gamut and everything. The other flavor is specifically erotic genre movies. Now, that kind of has its roots a little further back in straight-up exploitation cinema. Like, you had movies like... You know, Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS, which, you know, was pretty graphic, but also had a real softcore element to it. These movies also run the gamut of different genres, of course, like 
there were action erotic movies, like namely the movies of one Andy Sedaris, which we will get into on another episode because his filmography is actually pretty interesting when it comes to trashy exploitation erotic. And we're actually watching an Andy Sedaris movie right now, A Hard Ticket to Hawaii, I believe. Uh, Robert, what's your take on Sedaris's work? Oh, it's not too bad, really. I mean, what was the one we just watched before this one? Malibu Express. Yeah, that one. Oh, that one was corny as all hell. It's like, Jesus Christ, every time I turn my head, there's just nudity. <laughs> it's like, oh my lord. David Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's almost like if Baywatch had Miami nudity. Vice. Or my Miami Vice and Baywatch if it had nudity in yeah. it and sexual content. But... The specific genre that we are focusing on here, or subgenre, I should say, is the erotic thriller, which has some examples of mainstream success even. You have movies like Basic Instinct, and to a degree, I guess, Fatal Attraction kind of falls under that bailiwick. And a lot of the early movies of Brian De Palma kind of had that feel to it. Like, for instance, Dress to Kill kind of feels like a really, really high-end, high-concept version of this type of genre, kind of a, you know, precursor to it. I mean, and this even goes all the way back to a lot of the softcore stag movies that or nudie films that'd be shown at certain drive-through movies and whatnot, or drive-in movies, I should say. So, I mean, you can pretty much trace this straight from the beginning of exploitation cinema all the way to the 90s, which was the heyday of this particular type of cinema. Robert, what was some of your earliest memories of this type of movie? I know that you grew up in a similar time that I did and <laughs> in the 90s, and I know that you probably came across this stuff, right? Yeah, every once in a while. You'd see a story like late out on HBO or a Showtime. Yeah. Like right after your Bikini Ghost Girls, Bikini Roundup Gang or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of these movies that start with bikini. <laughs> I, I think, mean, needless I think to I, say. I saw one with Billy Zane. He was stuck on an island, too. Really? Billy Zane? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Something like that. It was it was a cheesy late night, softcore, probably TVMA thing. But uh, Yeah. All this stuff came on, like, after hours. It was yeah. way after even primetime hours. Exactly. When your uh, parents went to sleep, dude. And I guess you just stay up late because that's what we do, right? We stay up late. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what you would do. You would just stay up late. And if you were alone and you had some time you just snuck some of this stuff i mean i've seen a meme which said that this stuff was pretty much like porn hub for teen boys in the 90s yeah <laughs> it was but like i said erotic thrillers it's something that has a little bit of history and has even broken to the mainstream here and there but this particular movie is of the b movie variety the body chemistry series is focused on one, I think her name was Dr. Carla Fisher or something like that? Something to that degree. Oh my God, I already forget this this woman's name in this movie. But she's a sex therapist who is on a radio station and is giving some questionable advice to some of the people that calls into her show and she gets involved with this one dude his name is dan although he calls himself john on the radio show 
he calls in and says that he likes his intercourse a little on the rough side. Needless to say, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to be as PG-13 as I can about this shit, but <laughs> it's pretty fucking hard. I mean, I, I don't want to get, like, too salacious or anything, but, yeah, the, the tactics that this lady uses as therapy is a bit extreme, and it starts to kind of go the fatal attraction route, where she starts to get really, really attached and obsessed with this Dan guy to the point where she's even sexually assaulting him. There, there's a scene where she straight up handcuffs him and sexually assaults him. It's like, what the fuck? Where is this coming from? But, I mean, it's got an interesting kind of grit to it as a movie. I mean, Robert, what did you think as far as, like, how the movie was constructed? At first, I, j I just want to know how she found out that it was him on the radio when she met him in person, right? Yeah. Like she, she just knew it. Like, have we met, right? And then... Yeah, she pretty much just pointed him out right away. She 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 figured it out just by listening to his voice. Yeah. And, you know... Confronted him. Confronted Sorry. him and everything and initiated this really weird psychosexual relationship between the both of them. But needless to say, it starts to get in the way of his actual love interest. I, I think her name was Barbara. Yeah, gorgeous, but, gorgeous lady. Yeah, she's the uh, the girl next door type, more or less. She's a redheaded girl, and she's really kind of uh, the former love interest of Dan, the main protagonist. And the Black Scorpion. And the Black, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure she's the Black Scorpion too from from the Black Scorpion movie. <laughs> Which in and of itself is not a, a erotic movie, but it does have a sex scene that is kind of Skinamax-ish. But it's not enough to me to really put it in that category, you know. But that, that that's another movie to talk about for another time. In, in Body Chemistry 2, the story is pretty standard for this genre. You know, it's erotic thriller. It's the main antagonist, of course, this Dr. Carla Fisher, whatever her name is. Like, she's pretty much off her rocker and is just, like, throwing herself obsessively at this guy. Honestly, because he, she realized that he likes his sex rough. And he thinks that he she's going to cure him or something? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. The story kind of falls apart near the end. I mean, spoiler alert, she manages to have the cops come in and pull a suicide by cop on him, leaving her uninjured, of course. Yeah, that was totally like cycle two or something. Yeah, it was. Just left you with a cliffhanger, right? A little bit of a cliffhanger. I mean, it did have two other movies after this, and I haven't seen those movies, but I did come across one of them at Half Price Books, and it was almost 40 fucking dollars. 40 dollars, dude. Yeah, 40 goddamn dollars. I mean, this movie was all right. I don't know if I would actually pay 40 bucks to buy that, maybe. I mean, I don't know. If I could find it a little cheaper, I probably would pick it up. But, I mean, I would like to actually find the other two body chemistry movies because it, it seems like an interesting series. And I, I kind of remember seeing it on Cinemax back in the day. So it's not the best movie in the world. It's not even the best example of its genre. I mean, it doesn't even have Shannon Tweed involved, who is pretty much like a major star in this type of genre of cinema. 
It didn't have Shannon Tweed in it till the fourth movie. And that's like pretty much a trope in it of itself is like either fucking Shannon Tweed is in your movie or Carla Allen or Julie Strain or someone along that line. And it's pretty serviceable as a thriller. And as erotica, it's kind of eh. It's kind of, you know, not really all that, you know, scintillating. Eh, it's more of a Tales from the Crypt movie. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It feels like an extended episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. It, it, it has that campy quality to it. It's All that's really missing is the humor and the Crypt Keeper and everything. Yeah. I mean, there's actually a lot of Tales from the Crypt episodes that kind of play out like a lot of these erotic thrillers, right? Most definitely. Yeah. That early 90s. Yeah, that early 90s vibe, especially that kind of horror thriller vibe, because I would like to posit that Tales from the Crypt, a lot of it wasn't really straight horror. A lot of them were more like thrillers, kind of, you know, character dramas or even just comedic pieces. Yeah, thrillers like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, it was more like thriller material. I mean, that's why a story like this would actually really, really fit here. You know, It, it would fit in Tales from the Crypt. Perfectly. Perfectly. And remember, Tales from the Crypt itself was an original production from HBO. Billy Zane, Demonite. Which I want to go ahead and remark, HBO had a show back in the day called Real Sex. Yeah, I remember that. And that was a little more different from the Skinamax stuff because it was actually closer to like a sex documentary that would come on like, I think, weekly. They would have new episodes. And... That was a show that was really ahead of its time in its own right because it had, you know, positive representations of sexuality, of sexual identity and expression. I mean, that was like the first time I ever saw like kinks, you know, like actually shown. Hell, the first time I've ever even seen transgender people in any capacity was on that show. The first time I saw Sex Doll Me Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Sex Dolls. Yeah, that was my first introduction to the yeah, real dolls. It's like, it's oh my like, God, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, it, it had their workshop and everything. And they, there was also an episode where they featured those two guys who does like performance art with their genitals. <laughs> that was illuminating. And I remember this one where there was this weird like, like retreat for men. And it was all about like, the penis and everything. They had a ginormous fucking dick statue. <laughs> I'm serious, man. They had a goddamn dick statue and they were all like spiritual about this shit and everything. I was just like, okay, what's the point of all of this? But that was an interesting show. And as far as body chemistry is concerned, I guess we can go ahead and give this movie a rating. I would give this at least a solid three out of five. I mean, it's not the best representation of the genre, but it's an interesting enough movie to be passable. And it definitely has all the tropes and hits all of the notes of this genre, which, by the way, and I want to go ahead and posit this as a pet theory of mine. One of my personal theories about The Room is that that is technically a straight-up stealth parody of these types of 90s Skinamax movies. I mean, right, Robert? Doesn't it kind of feel that way a little bit? It has to be. It's the only explanation, dude. It really is. It's the only explanation for something like this. And, I mean, the, the, the way that the sex scenes were shot and everything, like, they, they kind of hit a lot of those notes, you know, the cheesy music, 
the weird way it's edited and everything. Like, it, it really has a lot of those tropes, like whether that was a deliberate thing on Wiseau's part or not, I'm not really sure. But that, that's just my little theory about The Room, is that it feels a lot like a more art house version of movies like this. That's what it feels like. It was James Cameron. James Cameron? Oh, my God. <laughs> Once again, we are watching Andy Sedaris. God damn it. <laughs> but what would you rate this movie, Body Chemistry 2, based on what you saw, Robert? Based on what I saw... Maybe like a 2.5. Right? 2.5? Like, what kind of brought that score down for you? Bring it down. I don't know. I just wanted to say it because you said a three. And oh, you <laughs> bastard. You're trying to... Un- should I agree with you? Three? No, you three. shouldn't. Honestly. I don't know. 2.5 is also a fair assessment uh, of this movie. You know, I guess I'm just sort of jumping in these into these movies again for the first time. Yeah. I haven't really seen them in so long, so, you know. Yeah. And what are your final thoughts on the Skinamax genre itself? I think it's not bad. I think we should have like a bunch of these as collectibles. Yeah, I would actually like to track down some of these movies. And incidentally, on YouTube, I did find a playlist. If you just search Skinamax in YouTube, there was actually a YouTube playlist with at least a good 60 or 70 of these movies. Some of them have been deleted or privated, but... I mean, they had a lot of them. It's amazing that that shit is even, you know, passing on YouTube, especially as, you know, churlish as they've been with, you know, adult content and everything. This makes me want to just track down more of the stuff we watched when we were, like, growing up. Yeah, it does, you know, because, I mean, there is kind of a level of nostalgia to these movies. I mean, for most all of us millennials, I mean, this is, like a first real introduction to sexuality, you know, for a lot of us. Yeah. Whether it was right or wrong for us to indulge in that, I mean, I don't know. Uh, but that's that's play boys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, of course, there was also the phenomenon of scrambled porn channels back in the day. Yeah. You know, I mean, I see posts on the Reddit nostalgia page about that all the fucking time. And incidentally, there is a subreddit based on this. It's called Softcore Nights, r slash Softcore Nights, I should say. And that's pretty interesting. You know, it kind of celebrates the genre a little bit. But honestly, I think that it's mostly harmless. I mean, there's some questionable stuff that I saw in a lot of these movies. But, you know, for the most part... It's not the worst thing in the world. There's worse things out there to worry about, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's not even real porn, so... Yeah, it's not even real hardcore porn or anything. So, it's whatever. I mean, Body Chemistry 2, it's pretty alright, and I wouldn't mind checking out the rest of this series. Get them all. Get them all, exactly. Try to get them all, both. I'll try. I mean, I'll I'll try to track down as many of these movies, because... Track them down. You know, I mean, it's a pretty awesome genre. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, everyone. And when we get back, oh, Lord, we're going to be getting into Triloquist. I'm not looking forward to this, people. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, my God. We'll be back in a second. I want you to open your mind to your deepest, most secret thoughts. The steamy sequel to one of the sexiest erotic thrillers of the decade has arrived. It's just chemistry. Simple body chemistry. Sex therapist Dr. Claire Archer is back to torment another man. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Men who hurt women. 
I think I can help you, Dan. I think you could be big time. Severe parental discipline. Be rational. Check the indemnity clauses. Forced body contact sports. Your radio star killed a man. Syndication's a rough game. Repressed homosexuality. You don't want me, do you? It's the oldest story in the book. You don't need me, do you? What are you doing to me? Your body has been shaped for the sole purpose of hurting others. Whatever images come to you, let them in. Whatever I used to want, I don't want anymore. Who says you can't have it all? Shut up! Don't you understand we belong together? Gregory Harrison in Body Chemistry 2, the voice of a stranger. And we are back with another movie review or something that allegedly tries to say it's a movie, Robert, because hey. you brought this movie hey, into my life. Hey, hey. You brought this movie into my life, Robert. Take it or leave it. You know, you love it or hate it. <laughs> this movie is called Triloquist. It stars a lot of nobodies. It has an ugly dummy. They go around killing people. It's pretty much natural-born killers, just with a dummy. And, Robert, please try to make me understand what the fuck this movie is. Like, mm. what, what is this? You know, they're, they're trying to, you know, fulfill their mom's dream of going to, like, Vegas and doing her show, right? So, uh, I, I don't know. They're, like, get shuffled around from, like, foster home to foster home. And then they end up at their uncle's house, and they end up killing him yeah and the way that all of that is presented the way that the script handles all of this is quite possibly some of the trashiest shit i've ever seen bro i'm sorry oh the one-liners are stupid as hell oh too, my too. god uh, I oh mean, and that chick's mouth is freaking terrible that angelina girl oh my lord there is literally a scene where she walks by two dudes who aren't even mentioned ever again in the movie and she just straight up like, I bet you guys want to fuck me, right? It's like, what the fuck? I bet they were thinking it, though. There were multiple moments where I audibly yelled out, what the fuck in this movie? Remember, Robert? Yeah, like, how many girls do you know that would say that? Uh, I know. What the fuck, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this girl is not really that great of an actress, for one. I didn't like her performance at all. Nobody here put out a good performance at all. Except for the dummy. The dummy was terrible. What are you talking the dummy about? Was it was live? It was believable. The dummy was horrible. It was it was believable, dude. It was like watching Yoda or something. Watching Yoda, really? That that you're equating that to Yoda? Mm -hmm. Fucking Deep Roy himself. And Pinocchio with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh my God. Yeah, I, I remember that Pinocchio's Revenge movie. Yeah. That was a horror movie that is 20 times better than this fucking movie. I mean, the, the character of Norbert is quite possibly one of the worst representations of anyone on any spectrum, period. He's like a giant Woody. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's dressed like a giant Woody the entire time. He's dressed the same way as the goddamn dummy, which is just... I mean, why? They're, like, linked together or something. Yeah. And let's talk about the dummy here. The dummy narrates this fucking movie. The dummy narrates it, Robert. Yeah. Why? 
We're not introduced to this character. We have no idea what or who he is. It's never even explained why this damn dummy is even sentient. I mean, there, there's a moment near the end where it turns out that Angelina may have been manipulating Norbert through the dummy, but that still doesn't explain a whole lot of things. And yeah. they still have this weird magic ability. They're literally magic slasher killers. They may as well be fucking goddamn Freddy or Jason, dude. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, the, the dummy was reprehensible. The dummy was reprehensible, Robert. That, that that fucking thing was ugly and said ugly things and made me feel ugly. Whoa. Yeah. Sorry to feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you even own this movie, Robert? What like explain this to me. What made you want to bring Triloquist to the podcast? I think you know that it had to be done either way. Yeah. Uh, it was only a matter of time before we got to it. And yeah, I'm glad that it's on director's cut and not collateral cinema. <laughs> I mean, this would make a hilarious versus episode, but beyond that, I don't know, dude. <laughs> uh, it's just one of the films that my dad showed me, and one of the reasons why I started watching late night indie B movies. Oh, wow. That were, you know, just cheesy. I started collecting them from like half price books, you know. So that's the movie that introduced you to all of this? One of them. Really? Yeah. I think more watching 2003 B movies. Yeah. 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 A lot of the Asylum movies and everything, yeah, and some of the Full Moon movies. Which some of those are really good, of course. I mean, I have a lot of Full Moon. I have one Asylum movie, and it's the one good Asylum movie. Like I remember my first one was like I think it was called Final Cut or something. Final Cut. Yeah, and there was just a killer running around in the house. And oh it was, wow! And it was like a like a high school sorority or get together thing or something, you know? Yeah. And just a, there was like a killer running around, and he just takes everybody out one by one. Yeah, I think I might remember what you're talking about. I well, think you might have shown that to me I somewhere. Think I, sh I think I may have shown you the trailer, and that's one of the ones that I got rid of and sold to Half Price. And I, I probably shouldn't have sold it back at them, you know? Aw, wah, wah, wah. But uh, I'll try to get it back. Yeah, you probably should. That would be a fun watch, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not... This, Really not that good, but it's one of the ones that got me all into all this, you know? Wow. Yeah. Triloquist did it. One of them. God <laughs> damn it, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't hate it. I think it's hilarious, though. It is. <laughs> it's not funny the way that the movie wants it to be funny. Yeah. It's not ha-ha funny. You mean it's more like, yeah, I can find it funny on the inside, but... You mean Holmes and Watson yeah. funny? I don't know. Yeah, it's Holmes and Watson funny. That is <laughs> that is a succinct no. fucking no. description of Come this. Come on, don't compare it to Holmes and Watson. You're damn right I'm comparing it to Holmes and Watson. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but the cinematography in this movie, I mean, there were so many moments where the camera was just completely overexposed. I mean, everything was just way too bright. And it, it, it made watching the movie a little bit painful, honestly. That's the age when we, like, barely had flip phones, right, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, flip phones were barely a thing around the time. This came out in 08, right? Yeah, so I'm not even sure if they had LED lighting, you know? Well, by that point, there had already been, you know, the iPhone. But, I mean, that was still early in its uh, heyday and... I've yet to really become as popular and ubiquitous as it is, but... Yeah, I mean, not many people have that, right? 
Yeah, not a whole lot of people had it at that time, but I take issue with movies that still use fucking flip phones and movies to this day. And the, the there's departed. some of them. Nah. There's some of them. Departed. The Departed, all. But, I mean, wasn't Departed kind of meant to be kind of an early 2000s yeah, type of thing? Yeah. I remember one of the phones I sold, and there was like a Sprint flip phone. It's like, that was the first phone I had. Yeah. One of them little drug dealer phones. <laughs> but in between the over-focused cinematography on a lot of the highway scenes, there was also a terrible, terrible black and white effects used. And... I mean, e even at the intro of the movie, there's a lot of just blurry images. It's supposed to be of the dummy, but, I mean, you just can't make out what the fuck it is. And it's an inexplicable intro scene. And there's also those moments where, you know, they speed up the camera or something, you know? Like, whenever she grabs the dummy and starts throwing it, there's that one scene where she goes round and round and round, like, several times, and it's like, why was that necessary? Why was any of that necessary? <laughs> just some filler. Natural born killers filler. Yeah, it's essentially just a badly made natural born killers. That's really what it is. It, it's, it's essentially the same movie. They're on the road. They kill random people because reasons. I mean, the dummy, I, I'm not even really sure what the dummy is. And Magic. Oh. God, I, no, I can't accept that as an explanation for this. I can't accept <laughs> that sorry, at I'm all. The, no, it's not your fault. It's the movie's fault, bro. I mean, this movie just does not present its characters well. And, oh, God, the characters are so cringeworthy. I mean, what was up with that one rapper that just randomly decided to go ahead and play one of his songs for these crazy killers? Even after pulling out a, a fucking gun and everything. I mean, what the fuck was that? Sweet. It was just for that weird dance sequence. Play a song. How about some fucking respect? Some fucking respect. Exactly. Oh, those 18 bands, dude, they're hot. Oh, shit, yeah, we're still watching this Andy Sedaris movie, of course. <laughs> oh. One of those old school bands, hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, those, those are nice. They are nice, I guess, you know? You can live in that thing. But... Also, in this particular movie, there wasn't a whole lot of gore here, right? There was that one scene with a puppet just yeah. where he bit off the club owner's penis. Or what the fuck was up with that? Where he acted like he was going to give him a head and then he just bites off his penis. They, <laughs> they literally went full on last house on the left there. What the hell, man? That was weird, but not, it's not really a whole lot of gore. I mean, I yeah, it's... Not even really bloody, honestly. I don't think it's it's bloody to an extent, but not the extent that you think it's gonna be. And that one guy from Magnum PI or something. Yeah, what the fuck was that? That was such a random fucking cameo. What what even was that? I mean, was that really the guy from Magnum PI? Was that really him? It's like, what what was his name? I don't remember, but. I mean, for fuck's sake, Larry, Larry, man. Larry Minetti. I keep wanting to say. Larry Minetti. Yeah, that, that's keep, who it was. I keep wanting to say Marty Janetti. <laughs> no, it's Larry Minetti. And that's so random. And you don't even see their deaths. In the desert, like out of nowhere. And then they try to be clever and have the dummy show up in multiple scenes in different places and everything. It just doesn't make sense. Nothing about the movie makes sense at all. It doesn't even make sense that they could be hunted down by the goddamn police, state police, I might add, 
and then manages to fucking to escape from a car that doesn't even have a fucking cage for, for, for the people in the back. What the fuck is that, man? What, what is that? Like, not real issue cop cars. <laughs> no, those are obviously not cop cars. Those were just rental sedans that they just put a bunch of decals on. Yep. I mean, they couldn't even get real cruisers. No, those lights were totally eBay shop. They they totally were. It was so awful and obvious. But I guess we'll go ahead and give this movie a rating and talk about our final thoughts for Triloquist. Robert, this is your movie. You brought this to the podcast. Explain yourself here, bro. Fucking explain (laughs) yourself. I I don't know. (laughs) I mean, what are your thoughts on this movie? Uh, I guess you can take it for what it is. You no, know, it's. I guess you know it's not really that bad. I don't know. Do you think it's that bad? I found it just uh, to be a drag. To be repulsive. Yeah. Kind of repulsive. Yeah, it was actually kind of repugnant. I don't. To be honest, I don't know, man. I guess you know. I don't mind watching it a few times. I mean, I wouldn't put it on too many times. Oh no. I don't know. I had fun with it when I first put it on. Now that I see it now, it's like, okay, I'm only going to watch it the one time. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that are kind of like that. And then when I first saw it with you, it was like three years ago, though. Yeah, Yeah. it it was very early on in the podcast. I mean, your your house even looked different on the inside. I mean, when we watched it last night, you you guys already have your own little living area set aside and everything. And with a better TV. And when we first watched it, it was on that tiny little TV that you had, the little... TV DVD combo. That Emerson. That yeah, the, the Emerson. Yeah. I destroyed it because I should, probably shouldn't have done it. But God damn it, man. Because you were there, put holes in the wall. God damn it. I don't know. Anyway, this movie is one of the best movies I've ever seen since Master of Disguise. You would fucking say that, you troll. And I would grade it a 10 out of 5. Oh, my Lord. Because it's that, just that good. Th- that's you know? not you. That doesn't make sense. 10 out of 5. A 10 out of 5. You dude. asshole. God damn it. <laughs> i'm sorry oh wow oh man i just have to give this movie a fucking i could be generous and give it a two i guess what that's generous that's generous not a 10 out of five no that's generous for me is a two i probably shouldn't even give it that high of a rating wow because I just found it painful to watch. Yeah. I'm sorry. Two and a half, two point five. No, no. I, I can't go any higher than what? that. It's just, what? I, there's just nothing appealing about this movie at all. I say it, it's a pass. But I mean, of watch course, this movie. Yeah, Robert's gonna say watch this movie. Yeah, and wasn't this produced by the same producers who made Leprechaun? Yeah, we forgot to mention that when we started it. God. Damn it. I, I actually like the Leprechaun series. It's got like, what happened? It's like the wooded area scene where they're chasing the girl. Yeah. Trying to bury her. Yeah. Like, that's the same scene from the first Leprechaun. It practically is. Yeah. Where they're chasing the cop in the woods. And it's just okay, so so now this movie's unoriginal to boot. Wonderful. A leprechaun copy. God damn it. I guess we had to mention it because we already did the Leprechauns. Yeah, we already did the Leprechaun movies or talked about at least Leprechaun Returns. Returns. And we I talked mean, about Leprechaun 4 recently on Director's Cut. Yeah. We haven't gone through all of them. I feel like we need to do like Leprechaun 3 in Vegas. Y- yeah, I actually want to do that movie very soon. Do that and uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah. Hell I th- yeah. I think we're going to mix those two up in one episode. Or- yeah, that's going to be an interesting episode. Leprechaun. Leprechaun takes Vegas. Jason takes Manhattan. Exactly. Yeah. 
Norbert is a great ventriloquist. I don't think mom's coming back. A dying mother's wishes. Our parents tell us you two should be in a retard hospital. Go away, rude and ugly children. Before her two kids. First of all, I'm not a slut. Angelina's the one with the nice tits. I'm just very sexual. To carry on her family name. We need to find Norbert a bride and he needs to have a baby with her. What do you want? You're gonna have a baby with my brother. And to live out their mother's dream. How badly do you bleed? What I'm taking him to Vegas to do his ventriloquist act, just like his dead mother. No matter the cost. Hi, can you borrow your car? I wanna drive. Boy, this is my lucky day. Not really. But what they didn't expect Three. was for their mother's dummy to help them out. Chili dogs make me fart. Stupid old puppet. It's not even alive. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap everything up here. Robert, do you have anything to plug? Just find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. You know, look for us on, what is it, Apple Podcasts? On you? Apple Podcasts, yep. Instagram, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube and iHeartRadio. And also, we have a Patreon where we have full length commentaries. Very soon, we will have our own website. And I mean, on the Patreon, you know, it starts, the tiers start at $1 and also go up to $5. And yeah, we will have a website very, very soon for the podcast and for all of our other adventures that are kind of, you know, attached to this. And also, we might be doing some commentary tracks that we're going to release here on the actual Podbean feed for free through the director's cut logo. It's mostly going to be low budget kind of, or no budget or even public domain movies. I mean, we're just going to kind of, you know, just sit back, have a beer and just knock on some movies, you know? Maybe just have a little fun, right, Robert? A lot more cheesy, low budget. Oh yeah. It'll be kind of mystery science theater, kind of regular DVD commentary, kind of a podcast, you know? And if that actually interests you, and if you actually enjoy it, then check out our full-length commentaries on the Patreon page. So, yeah, check all that out. So, with all of that said, I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortega. And this was The Director's Cut. Have fun, everybody, and don't watch Triloquist. Watch Triloquist. That's weird.
Cinema is a collateral media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.